part three to this ser- um, sermon series, message series, and we are unleashing grace in our lives. We are unleashing grace for your minds. We are unleashing grace for your family. You know what? When you really, really need a turnaround, you don't need more talent. You don't need more money. You need grace. Grace is God's abilities extended to your behalf on the account of another. It's the work you don't have to do to receive the blessing you can never earn to set you free from something you can never fight free from. It's the thing that's hard to describe, but it's easy to teach, man. I'm telling you, that would preach. Boy, I just did a whole spoken word right there, didn't I? Wow. See, when the anointing, that's the great, I didn't even mean to do that, y'all. Hey, did y'all record that? Wow. That was good, wasn't it? Yes. Praise the Lord. I don't know. The guy said it off, you know, and I was kind of in his flow, and I just, stuff happens, you know what I mean? Anyway. Anyway, um, so we're unleashing grace. I really want to pack the house out for Easter because uh, we are a new church plant, and um, I always like to say that because we always have new people here, um, but we're, we're going somewhere. This church is built and structured and built to grow. Um, you know, God is, I said this last week, God is all about the numbers. God is all about the numbers. What does that mean? That means every number has a name, has a face, and every story matters to God. Every person in the city matters to God. And God doesn't want us to come in here and get our little church thing on and then be too ashamed or scared or whatever to share our faith at our jobs and our families because these you know we're some of us are hurting other people around us are hurting and what what a better thing to do than to share our faith and just tell people about god's grace and just to share what god's doing in your own life and help them find hope and help them come in here and easter is just the perfect like opportunity for us to just do that i mean we should capitalize on that moment um and really really just change the whole landscape of this city amen so jump into the things that we're doing get some of the flyers from the table on your way out try to be a part of some of the outreaches we're doing you can sign up at the booth get more information out there because we are trying like i'm not even ashamed to say this we are trying to fill this house up not just easter but every week because there's that many people in this city that need the lord amen and god's planted a new church here because there's another group of people that he's trying to reach amen amen so i'm gonna jump into this word but listen if you've missed the grace unleashed part one part two it was available on our website the the person we were um using to carry our messages uh thank you sir to carry our messages um i don't know their website just i don't know it went crazy for some reason so it made our website look bad so i was like okay we contacted them we're, we're looking for a new provider for that so just bear with us and you can usually download those things off the podcast online. But once I get that back up, I'll let you know. And uh, you guys can go back and share those things. But some of the simplest things we can do on Facebook, sharing. Even during the sermon, you're writing your notes. Uh, write, you know, Tweet something out or write it down, tweet it later, whatever. Facebook it. Because those little things coming from you can be very powerful. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bible real quick to... Um, let me see where I want to start us off. The main text, I think, for today is going to be in Galatians 5. So you can go ahead and turn to Galatians 5. And I'm going to jump around to a few different places. I'm excited to preach this. Uh, I'm excited all the time to talk about grace because grace is one of the fundamental things that people don't understand. We say it a lot. It's one of those good church words. By the grace of God, they say. Well, I'm just telling you, you've got to really get a good, deep understanding of grace because you cannot... You cannot appropriate anything in your life that you don't understand. You can't put it to work if you don't understand it. And so that's why we call this grace unleashed. Because I don't want to just get up here and tell you about grace. I want to get up here and show you how to release grace. Because grace will change everything. Grace can change anything. And so when you are tapping into God's flow, when you are tapping into the anointing, when you are tapping into God's gifts, His talents, the things He's put in you, when you are tapping into the stuff that you have, you know, no control over from your own gifts, talents, or education, I mean, when you're tapping into the undeserved, unmerited favor of God, I'm telling you, you can go from the lowest employee in the company to the CEO and never have the qualifications at all. That's what grace is. 
Grace is your qualification. Grace, grace puts you in a place for God to shine on you. Grace makes your application go to the top. Grace is why the raise came to you. As a matter of fact, when you got to your company, the company just got blessed because you arrived. Because you are literally God's grace going somewhere to happen. Do you ever believe that about yourself? I mean, you got to start to think that way. When I got here, I don't care what they say to you. When you get there, you should just, you know, you probably can't say this to them, but you should just say, you, you better be glad I'm here. You know what I'm saying? You just got blessed, my friend. You just got blessed. So anyway, never, never ever let, because you're a believer, never ever let the, the atmosphere try to tell you how it's supposed to go. You are bringing God's grace, his favor, and his presence into every place that you go. I don't care if it's the bank, Publix, Kroger's, wherever you're going, you are, bring, you are a carrier of the anointing and grace of God. So we have to unleash grace. But listen, you know one, one of the things that are really used to, I mean, it still amazes me. Um, so I'm going to dive right into to the message here. But it just amazed me. I was seeing the, the last Powerball lottery was like, I don't know if anybody knows, but it was like $400 million or something, $500 million. Did anybody know, like, or maybe did they hit the lottery yet? Did somebody win it already? They did? Two winners? What was it? $500 million? Four something? Okay. Ridiculous amount of money. Um, I started thinking about this because I was studying the journey of the children of Israel. And I was studying it because God told me one day I was sitting in my house. And as I was preparing to, to I wasn't studying for a message. I was just sitting there. And he said, he said you know, this is a, God talks to me like this sometimes. He'll go, you know, the children of Israel's journey was a journey of grace. And I was like, okay. And he said, start reading there. So I started studying it. And I, and I was pretty amazed when I studied their journey of how much God had promised them based on his goodness, based on his faithfulness, and how he walked with them all the way through their, their you know, from their bondage to their freedom, all the way to the point they got almost to where the promised land was. And then because they said and did a, a certain thing, I, I might touch on it in a minute, God sends them back around, lets that whole generation die off in the wilderness, and brings a new generation, a generation that will actually receive the blessings of God from God, instead of having the employee mentality that the children of Israel actually had. So I'm going to touch on that in a second. But I was amazed, and, I, and, and it made me think of the lottery. Because I said, man, you know... The moment you realize you have won something, hit the jackpot, I mean, you, you like imagine your life changed. I mean, just pretend for a second that you just hit the $500 million lotto. Five, yeah, that's what I'll be. Some of y'all are lying. Look, y'all ain't seen a shout. If I hit the, I don't even play the lottery, but I'm just telling you, you know, if I did and I hit it, Lord have mercy, $500 million. Um, but can, couldn't you just automatically kind of see where, you know, when you know that you have won or you know that you're, you know for sure that you're going into another dimension, how you're almost like, it doesn't matter where you are at the moment. When you know that it's coming, you just start to smile. It almost, feel, it almost just feels like the, the weight of the world lifts off and you just, and that all the lottery winners say this, they say, I just felt different. They say, how'd you feel when you know you won? He said, I just, I just felt different. Yeah, we know you felt different. But, I, you know, so I was laughing at that, and then so I, I went and did some research, and, um, and, and, I, and, and it really ties into this Grace Unleashed message for, the, for today. Let me give you two quick stories, because um, oftentimes, 70% of the time, there's a few different um, numbers out there, but the most consistent one I've seen was 70% of the time, lottery winners are broke within a few years, 70% of the time. So seven out of every ten lottery winners cannot manage the level that they have just been catapulted into. So I was thinking, you know, what would happen to you or to me? Because we cry out to God, God, just just take me to that next level. God, just just move me into that next dimension. But what would really happen? Would you be able to operate in the next level? And I wonder why, you know, the percentage is so high. And I wonder, like, can't they buy some brains? I mean, like. You know, what is the problem? Why, why is it? And it's just baffling to me how you can go from negatives in the bank to $30 million in the bank, but your situation can actually get worse. And most of the people that I read the stories from, and I'm going to share two real quick, they actually said they wish they had never hit the lottery because it brought so much drama. Did you know that the thing God has promised for you, this is, man, I feel it, I feel it coming. The thing that God has promised for you is going to bring trouble. 
it's going to bring trouble. Now, I'm going to show you how to handle that in a second, but, but I'm telling you, Jesus said, no matter what you have given up, be it houses, land, be it family, be it husbands, wives, whatever, I don't care what it is, your business, I don't care what you are telling God, hey, I gave this up so I could serve you. Jesus looked at them and said, you have not given up anything that I will not turn around and repay you a hundred times more. That's the part we shout about. And then he says, comma, with persecutions. And we, don't, we just kind of skip that part. We don't mind the blessing, Lord, but what, what's up with this persecution? The people that I thought loved me, that you're not, now they're coming after me. Your blessing will always test you more than your trouble. Get blessed, and then we'll see who your friends are. Watch this, though. All right, so this girl, I'm just going to read the, the uh, news article. Callie Rogers was 16 when she won 1.9, uh, I think these are pounds, I don't know what the measurement of money is, but it's $3 million in the UK, in American money, in American dollars. In 2003, too young to know how to manage her money or where it would lead her, Rogers hooked up with a loser. This is their words. Rogers hooked up with a, lo- with a loser, had two children, and then blew the rest on partying, vacations, gifts for her friends. Now Rogers works as a cleaning woman and is reportedly facing bankruptcy. $3 million. How many of y'all can handle $3 million a little better than that? We think. I'm sure she thought that too on her way to cash her ticket in. 2004, Sharon Tirabasi, a single mother who had been on welfare, cashed a check from an Ontario lottery gaming corporation for $10,569,000. That's a good check. She subsequently spent her winnings on a big house, fancy car, designer clothes, lavish parties, exotic trips, handouts to family, loans to friends, and in less than a decade, she's back riding the bus, working part-time, and living in a rented house. If you were texting this story, you would, you would text SMH right behind that, wouldn't you? Shaking my head. For the adults that don't know what that means. Shaking my head. All right. Luckily, Tara, uh, Ms. Tarabasi put some of her windfall in trust for her six children who can claim it when they turn 26. So at least she did one good thing. So I was just, I was reading this and I thought to myself... There's no way you can operate on a level that you have been catapulted into unless God has successfully taken you on a journey of grace. Because the journey of grace allows you to operate in dimensions that you cannot operate on by yourself. And so what the children of Israel experienced was when they were put in... Okay, so Joseph was in control of Egypt before they got in bondage, okay? So then a a new Pharaoh arose in Egypt, and he didn't know Joseph like that. And this is what he observed. Well, let let me... Pause on that second right there, and let me read Galatians 5. Did did you guys go there yet? Galatians 5. Let me read this, and I'm going to jump into that story, and it's going to be awesome. Watch. Galatians 5. Now, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So they've been set free by Jesus, and Paul is writing to the Galatians and saying, don't go back into what God delivered you from. You know anybody that goes right back after you help them out? They go right back. It doesn't help them out at all. Okay, so he says, don't go back to that yoke of bondage. Actually, I like the, uh, the literal Greek translation. It says, don't go back again to that yoke of slavery. Because that's what they were in. It's, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Next verse. And, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Circumcision back then was a sign that you were under the old covenant. Okay, so in case you don't know why he's saying that. Because he's saying, if you are going to go through the rituals of trying to be righteous before God, you've got to keep the whole law. Because a man that's trying to live by the law must keep every law. He cannot mess up one law if he's going to try to be righteous by the law. You have become estranged from Christ, he said. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have, say this, fallen from grace. The people that are trying to earn God's blessing and the people that are trying to maintain a lifestyle without grace, these are the people that have actually fallen from the gift that God has given them. In other words, you have, like I said last week, you have actually set aside the grace of God so that you can do it yourself. And it is, it is built into us and it is made into us when we are children to want to do things ourselves. 
Amen. And so we're born like this. I remember my daughter as little as one walking and trying to, you know, just barely waddling around the house. And then it's time to go get in the car and she's trying to climb in the car by herself. And, I'm, and I, you know, I reach down to pick her up and put her in the car and she's like, stop, let me do it. Let me do it. And even now when she, I'm trying to help her with stuff, she doesn't want help. And y'all got kids that don't want any help. Let me do it. That's what they always say. Let me do it. And you know what I want to say? I want to say, you know what? You don't pay no bills. You don't, you don't buy no groceries. You're living under the grace of your father right now. Why don't you just eat that up? If I'm trying to take care of you, why don't you just live in that grace? Amen? So I'm trying to train her on that. But anyway, you have fallen from grace. Let me see the next verse. Okay, so for we, for we through the Spirit, eagerly await for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Next verse. That's a lot of verses this morning. Bear with me. You ran well. Watch this. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? In other words, you were walking in the grace of God. Who was it that came along and polluted your mind to make you think that now there's something else you can add to this equation to make God bless you some more? Now, the children of Israel, they worshipped many gods under the bondage of Egypt. You know why they worship many gods? Because they are trying to capitalize on all the benefits that every god brings to them so that they can have the maximum abundant life. If I appease this god, this god, this god, and this god, I get that benefit from him. I get the sun from this one. I get the wind from this one. I get the, the crops from this one. I get the whatever they, the rain from this one. Whatever it was, because they want the maximum benefit. Jesus, you don't know how powerful this is. When Jesus comes along, they say, listen, I don't care where you came from. Jesus is the end of all of that, and it's him and him alone now. I mean, this is battling against their culture. All right? This persuasion does not, verse 8, come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, a little bitty lie mixed into your theology is going to make your whole life swell. Amen? Amen. Next verse. This is the last verse. I have confidence in you and in the Lord that you will have no other mind. Say mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his own judgment, whoever he is. Say mind. Now, so let's go back to the story of the children of Israel because here's... Here's what we're projecting into. The children of Israel were supposed to inherit the land, raise families, and begin to spread all over the world from there. They found it a little bit harder than they thought to just go from the bondage of Egypt into the promised land. Because immediately when God told them what he was going to do, he said, I'm going to take you into this land. And it's going to be awesome. And so immediately they felt like we hit the lottery. Oh, man, oh, we are going in. How's the land look? It's big, it's beautiful, it's what? Oh, we are going in, and they was dancing, and are you serious? And so God delivers them from the bondage of Egypt. Watch this. And he takes them on a journey of unleashing grace. And why does he do that? Here's, here's, here's a couple of examples. All right, so after 400 years of slavery, he delivers them and makes them rich in one day. Alright, i got to stick to my notes a little more than usual because I'm trying to put these things together. Just hang with me. So he delivers them and makes them rich in one day. Because God's work is instant, but receiving it can take time. In other words, let me say it this way. God's work is already finished. It's not even, he's not even doing it. It's done. So your walk with Jesus doesn't begin with do this and this and this and this and then you'll be healed. The, the, the actual way it should come out is this. It's already done, my friend. Walk into that healing. It's already done. Don't let anything scare you out of it. Because see, this morning we prayed for healing. And, and this is what I know about that. When you get the message that God's going to heal you, and then you come up here, and you get ready to step into it, automatically start feeling the symptom again. And when you think the symptom is coming back, your brain triggers something in you that maybe it's not working for me. Maybe it was something I did. Maybe I'm not believing enough. Maybe I don't have enough faith right now. Maybe I need some more faith. So you pray a little harder and you, and you squeeze a little tighter and you, like you're trying to get some more faith. But see, grace works like this. Jesus said, if you just get a little bit of faith, I can move a mountain with that faith. See, this, when, when you unleash grace on the problems that are hindering you, you move into the promise. Alright, so what he's saying is, despite all the things that came against the children of Israel, keep moving forward. Keep going forward. It was a journey of grace. Check this out. So they become free physically, rich in one day, but the Egyptian mindset is still deeply rooted, waiting to jerk them back into slavery. See, God can deliver you, 
out of the trailer park or whatever, wherever the poverty, whatever we consider that to be, and put you in a big house in a day. He could do it right now. He could do it right now. And then it wouldn't take very long and you would be right back where you started if you don't allow God's grace to change and wash your mind. Because here's the thing. You can't, you can't possess long term anything that you have not obtained through the mind. So if you get launched into a level you're not ready for, this is why the people that win the lottery always go back. Most of them. Amen? It's a mindset issue. So poverty comes from the mind. Watch this. So here's what happens. I, I like this. Egypt was so... Give me, give me Exodus 1.9. I'm going to preach real hard in a minute. Y'all just hang with me. I've got to build this case. Egypt... I mean, Egypt 1.9. It's not Egypt 1.9. Can I get Egypt 1-9? That's not a real scripture, I don't think. If your Bible has Egypt in it, don't. You need to throw that Bible away. I'm not even sure if I get Did I give you that one? I probably didn't. He's shaking his head that I didn't give it. Let, let me read this to you. Because you know what I thought about today? I said, you know what? I'm going to take my time and teach a little bit. And then God started messing me up this morning. So go to Exodus 1, not Egypt 1. Exodus 1. Watch this. Okay, so the children of Israel are getting ready to take their journey of grace. Watch what happens. This is why, because this is really important for you to understand. In verse 9, it says this. And he said to his people, look at the people of the children of Israel. They, uh, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. So the Egyptians knew if I'm going to be able to control them, we have to get it in their mind. Because two things. The children of Israel are more, they're greater than us in number. And they're mightier than us. I'm about to get all in your business here in a second. Watch this. And so in verse 12 it says this. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So here's what happens. They made all of the children of Israel slaves. But here's how they did it. It took 400 years to ingrain an employee's mindset into them. Because they knew this. They're greater than we are. And they're more than we are. And they're mightier than we are. So if you, know, if you want to control something that's bigger than you and stronger than you, then you got to yoke that thing early. Okay, so they train these people to start believing that, listen, instead of it being now because of your relationship, because Joseph had the relationship and the favor of God on him. Y'all remember Joseph, right? He's in control of Egypt. He had the favor of God on him, so he had control of everything. Now they're moving from Joseph having control of everything to the, the new Pharaoh saying, listen, slowly turn them into employees. Slowly change their mindset from we are children of God to slaves and employees of this company, of Egypt. And here's what's funny. People think the Egyptians treated them harshly, and they did, but they did it this way. They gave them a lot of work, and they gave them a lot of work, and then they rewarded them good. They fed them good. The Bible says they fed them until they were full. And they, look, they said, we'll take care of your children. You have, you have, we'll train them. We'll educate them. Like, they didn't mistreat them in that way. They actually programmed, to, to programmed them to depend on them. Amen? So this is, this is what the world is doing to us as we try to understand grace. Because grace takes us back to the way Joseph ran Egypt. Amen? So Joseph was running Egypt by a relationship with God. So he brings all his family in. He brings all his brothers in. And even though they mistreated him, betrayed him, and did all those things, he was able to take Egypt's wealth and give it to them. Are you with me so far? So I'm going back to explain this whole trip of grace. Watch this. All right, now, the children of Israel go on their journey, and this is what happens. In the first, let me give you one example real quick. Exodus 15, 24. If I gave you that, throw it up, sir. Exodus, Egypt, no. Exodus 15, 24. I swear. Okay, there we go. All right, watch this. It's a journey of grace. Watch this. It's, and I'm going to tie a big ribbon around at the end. You're going to dance out of here. All right. The people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Watch this. When the children of Israel were delivered from their bondage, they were made rich in one day. They were launched. They, they hit the lottery. They're launched into this new level of life, but they can't operate on the level because they have no mentality to do it. 
So God said, I'm not only going to make you rich today, I'm taking you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey and resources. Their first day in the wilderness, they come to an issue, and this is what happens. It says, what shall we drink? So now they're like, where is the water? This water right here, we can't drink it because it's bitter. So what does God do? God responds with grace. So this is backwards of what people really think of God right now. They think that as soon as they mess up, God retracts the promise and puts the wall up between them. And now they're going to have to fend for themselves again. They quickly want to take these little opportunities to complain. Y'all don't complain after God delivers you, okay? So because he's taking you somewhere. I'm t- look, I'm going to submit to you this. Every little wall that they hit up against was just an opportunity for God to show them grace so they would depend on grace more than they did on Egypt. I'm coming to you. I know I've been reading a lot of scripture. Watch this. All right, give me the next verse, next verse. Did I go through 26? Yeah, I did. Okay, so there he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Next verse. Did I give you the verse 26? Yeah. And he said... If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give an ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. See, this is what he's telling them. If you obey everything, you can have this blessing. I'm taking you into this promised land. I will put none of the diseases which I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In other words, God is setting up the law because they haven't been given the Ten Commandments yet. He is setting up these prerequisites for them to be blessed. Because he's trying to take them into a grace mentality. Let me give you the next example. Exodus 16, verse 2 and 3. Throw that up there for me. All right, here's the next example. So they go for a little while. They complain. God unleashes grace. They didn't qualify for it. They did not deserve it. God delivered them from Egypt, but he unleashes grace anyway. They go for another a little piece, and then here's, here's the other example. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Next verse. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, what? Uh, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread until we were full. They say, Listen, when I had my job, I was eating good. Now you ask me to go out and do something for you? You're going to take me into this promised land and I'm eating ramen noodles. And this is not good because in Egypt, listen, look, y'all didn't even know Egypt treated them that good until I just showed you that. Because y'all had this image of like whips and stuff. And you know what? I'm sure they had whips when they were disobedient, but they fed them good. See, something that looks like a God door to you right now, they're feeding you good. It ain't nothing but them trying to keep you in bondage. And when you go into the promised land, you're going to have to step away from some good food sometimes and go into a place that you don't know where you're even going. I'm talking about something now. You're awake. All right. So listen. I want, to, I want you to get this image of these people now that God has delivered them, made them rich, and they're complaining. They look, they look for an opportunity to go back and eat that food again. They just want to be employees. They just want to be trapped in that bondage. See, it's all well and good when we celebrate a vision. I tell you guys, hey, we're going somewhere. You're going with us. Or God tells you, hey, you're going to this next dimension, this next land. And then I always tell my wife, don't ever count somebody until they're there. You know, we had a whole lot of people when we got ready to start the church. Oh, that sounds good, Pastor Mike. And I said, well, we got to move to Atlanta to do this. Oh, that's no problem. I'm going to sell my house. And then you know what? When the rubber hit the road and I was pulling off in that U-Haul, they was like, man, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm just feeling a little something in my spirit. And, and you know, I'm, I'm telling you. You know, you know what it was? I felt something in my spirit, too. Ramen noodles coming to me. Because I had steak and I had everything else back where I lived. And you know what? I was going to have to push away from that and walk into something else. But you know what God was showing me? He said, I'm going to walk you on a journey of grace. And you're going to experience something you never experienced before, which is this. It's me providing for you for no other reason but you're my beloved. No other reason but you're mine. No other reason. You're going to complain. You're going to murmur. I'm going to overlook all of that, but I'm going to reward your faith in the process. See, because here's the new thing. In the New Testament, God does away with all of the statutes. He takes away the handwritten requirements of the law for you to be blessed. He puts it all on Jesus, and now you're blessed just because you move in faith. You might move in doubt, move in fear, but if you are moving in faith and fear, he forgets the fear and rewards the faith. Listen, when you look at Abraham's life, and you go back and you look at what he did before the New Testament and the New Covenant was put out, Abraham lied. Abraham did so many things that God told him not to do. But when you look in the hall of faith in Hebrews and see his story, you don't see it recorded anywhere. His lies, his mess ups, all you see recorded is his faith. 
And see, this is what God is doing in your life. You make a mistake, you complain, or you do something wrong, and you feel like you missed the blessing because, oh, wait a minute, I think I messed up with God. No, I'm telling you, when you make a mistake, that's what the blood is for. So the blood covers you, and God rewards your faith and says, keep going. See, you think because you hit a wall and you start to feel like, oh, maybe that, something's happening to me. Look, you ain't miss God. Look, you got to keep going. You got to keep, because it's the wilderness. This is where they're going. I don't know if y'all believe me. I know this part's hard, ain't it? This part's hard. Oh, I thought I was going to go from glory to glory to glory, Lord. I thought I was going to go from part-time to full-time. I thought I was going to go from 10,000 to 100,000. I thought that was the plan. No, God's plan is to get you depending on grace. That's what the whole plan is. And sometimes the roller coaster goes up and sometimes it takes a dip. But he's trying to train you that his grace is sufficient. He's trying to train you. Don't let go. Don't bail out. Keep going and see what's next. I'm preaching. Amen. So watch this. When he, I like that part. They said, we used to eat good, Moses. Look, they were celebrating when they was on the way out with the gold. They was walking out with the gold and the camels and the, and the, the favor of God all over them. They were celebrating as soon as they get the first trial. Maybe we missed it. You sent us back to eat. We used to eat good. No. Here's what happened. You have brought us into the wilderness to kill us or kill this whole assembly with hunger. So now they're starting to think, that, look, he lied, y'all. His whole plan was to get us out here so we could all die. Grace journey. Somebody say grace journey. So God takes these opportunities to unleash grace. Why? Because you have to understand grace if you're going to operate in the promised land. You cannot operate in the promised land if you think, listen, grace is what saves you or takes you into a kingdom land. Okay, the promised land is a picture of kingdom life, abundant life, a life with Jesus. It flows. It never stops. It's abundant. Amen? And somebody else, and somebody else set it up for you. So in other words, when they were going to take over the promised land, they didn't have to build the houses, dig the wells, plant the vineyards. None of that. It was just a beautiful land that God made his, their enemies set up for them. This is the same thing that happened with Jesus. God took our enemies and made them crucify Christ, and now we are blessed through him. Amen? So he is taking us on a journey to believe and understand and unleash grace. How many of y'all right now need, got a mountain that needs to be moved? Come on, somebody, you got one. Listen, and sometimes you don't even know where it's going to come from. Listen, if you are not sitting back just depending on God's grace, and I'm talking about confidently saying, look, like, I know this is going to work out then that means God has still not taken you through enough grace journey, enough of the grace journey for you to quickly go to that default setting. That should be, your, when you hit a wall, that should be the setting. It shouldn't be stress and anxiety and fear and worry. It should be, I'm going to unleash grace. I'm going to unleash grace. Why? Because I know I didn't miss it. I know, look, God's not penalizing me because of my mistakes. If I am in a tough situation, even if it was my fault, let me unleash some grace on this. Have you ever made a mistake at your job and be like, oh God, they're going to get me for that one. Right? You know what you need to do? You need to put your head down and say, Lord, I just thank you that grace covers this mistake right here. Even when it's your fault, I'm telling you, grace is available. Amen. Let me give you one more. Is this good? Exodus 17. I want to show you because I, I didn't have time to cover this whole journey. I covered as much as I could, but Exodus 17, give me 3 and 6. Verse 3. The children of Israel... Okay. And the people thirsted for, there for water. Okay, so they go a little while longer, and now they're coming up on another challenge. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses again. Listen, sometimes things ain't going to go the way we act. Don't complain to the pastor. Unleash some grace. We're going to hit some walls. They turn on Moses quick, y'all. I mean... And he said, why is it have you brought us out of Egypt to kill... Look, they still think he's trying to kill them. You brought us out to kill us. And our children and our livestock with thirst. Verse 6. Y'all, this is serious stuff right here. You know that. You're threatening the pastor that he's trying to kill you because you're going through a little something. Behold, I will stand before you and there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of the rock, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Look, watch this. Behold, I will stand. Say, I will stand. Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, this is a picture right here of Jesus when he is beaten. He said, I want you to hit me so they can receive. Watch this. Jesus was beaten for our transgressions. So, 
whenever Moses hits the rock, Jesus is the rock. And so when he hits the rock, then the blessing flows out to you. See, you thought your blessing was held up because of something you did. I'm telling you, Jesus stood in front of the rock, allowed the beating to happen, and now it flows to you for no reason other than you're God's beloved. You can expect every day for benefit, blessing, and goodness to come to your life because Jesus stood there as the rock and took the beating. And so when every time he was hit, an advantage flowed to you. Grace flowed to you. Every time he was hit, you, your body was healed. Every time he did something, it was an exchange. His body was broken so yours could be made whole. So listen, they complained. Watch, look at God's reaction. Okay, if you're Moses... And people come up to you complaining after you, you brought them out of bondage, taking them to the promised land. What would be your reaction? These ungrateful people. I'm, I'm helping you. And, and look, he's helping them and they're complaining. And they, look, they're, they're saying, hey, you're trying to kill us and stuff. And how does God respond? Grace. See, God can take our complaining. He can take our doubt. He can take our faithless moments. But what he can't take is when we're not depending on his goodness. We think that our sin is so big that his goodness can't cover it. We think that what Adam did is so much more powerful than what Jesus did. If we look, we can take what Adam did and say, it's because of my sin. Or sometimes we tell our friends and family, you know, we're the Christian and they're not. So we'll tell them you need to walk out of that sin. But see, what, they, what you don't realize is you can snatch them from that and then they're going to walk right back to it. Why? Because they have not been changed in the mind. But the Bible says that we talked about it last week. How does the person renew their mind? It said is, or how do they repent? The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads you to repent. You know what it is? It's me standing up here or you standing in front of them and washing their mind in grace and you say look at Moses a fugitive a murderer look God used him and you say look at the children of Israel backbiting threatening saying hey Moses is trying to kill us sitting in their tents talking about him look and then God comes out and provides water and God comes out and provides food see do, do they deserve this treatment no they don't and neither do we and that's the good thing so that's why your praise should be on another level next week because when you go through your week this week you could probably count a million things that you know you didn't do right and there's probably 10 million that you didn't know you didn't do right but all of it is under grace if you are a believer listen we got to start to exalt what Jesus did over what Adam did if Adam made us sinners by his disobedience and Jesus, the Bible says that by one man's obedience all of us were made righteous we have to start to focus on the righteous because now that's why you're being blessed. Let me go to the last one. Exodus 24. Verse 3. This is good stuff. 24 verse 3. It's a lot of scripture today, but you guys, you're good with scriptures, right? You like to come to church and get some Bible, right? All right. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said this. All the words which the Lord has said will do it. Now, this right here, it kind of sounds like the children of Israel are kind of coming full circle like, okay, Lord, we'll do whatever you say, we'll do it. Actually, what's happening is, watch this. Moses came and told the people the words of the Lord and all the judgments. In other words, he presents the law. And they say, hey, anything you say, God, we can do it. This right here, before all the stories I just read you were prior to this point. This point right here is when they finally fall from grace, before the law is even given officially. So, God, look, they, they complain in the wilderness, God supplies grace. They complain again, he supplies grace. They complain again, he supplies grace. Finally, he says, I don't think they're ever going to understand grace until I finally give them the full law. So I put the whole law on them. I put the whole demand on them and say, now, you got to keep all of this or there's no more blessing. I am going to have to judge it now. Because before, he was doing it not because of their goodness. He was doing it because he's good. Okay? He was doing it because he is a good God. He's blessing you because he's a good God. And now he's saying, you know what? They're still not getting it. So before they get ready to go into the promised land, oh my God. Before they get ready to go into the promised land, they say, God, we can do it. They fall from grace. And, and then that's when Moses comes down off the, mount, off the mountain uh, from Mount Sinai and gives them the law. Okay? So now they have the law. And now the first thing that they do, they start worshiping the golden calf. Okay? They start moving back into what they came from in Egypt. 
Because they got to have something to worship. It's got, there's got to be something they can do to justify and be righteous. Because now they're looking at the law like, okay, there's no way we can do this. So now we're just going to create our own thing. This is good stuff. So God's trying to wash them in grace, but they fall from grace. And now they're looking for a reason to return to bondage. See, so here's, so here's what I, I, it's really hard for me to understand. The moment, y'all should be writing notes on this part right here. The moment God announces to you that you're going to a new level, the moment God identifies you as a person that's going to another dimension, the enemy comes in to challenge it. Don't you think for a second that the thing God's got for you is so small that it won't be challenged. Paul said that there are many doors of opportunity to me, but they are all guarded by adversaries. He said there is many adversaries for these opportunities. So when you are getting ready to walk into your greatest destiny, your greatest opportunity, you are going to be challenged with things that you cannot handle. And this is what you got to learn to do. You have to learn to unleash God's grace. What does that mean? That means you need to take your seat with Jesus in heavenly places. Commit yourself to prayer. Commit yourself to coming and getting the word. Commit yourself to leaning on God. Listen, you have to actually trust it and believe it that God is going to see you through it. Don't have a knee-jerk reaction. Don't jump off the cliff. Don't go, you know, go crying to somebody. You need to just trust the grace of God. That whole journey that he took them through, well, I mean, you know the wilderness, I mean, the um, promised land was an 11-day journey. A straight-through 11-day journey. So they were in bondage 400 years, and now they're in the wilderness 40 years. So a whole generation dies off in the wilderness because they would not allow God to change their mind by grace. Amen. Say, unleash grace. So something is wrong. This is, what I, this is what a conclusion I came up with. Something is really wrong when you have not entered into the kingdom and you're okay with going back to your bondage. I, I know a pastor friend of mine, when I, I first got to Atlanta, it's an African guy, great, very gracious guy. He, he, he brought me in and sat with me and was telling me about what's going on in Atlanta. And he said, he, he flew... You guys have heard our story. It's, it's pretty cool and what God has done. But this man lived in Europe, okay? And the way he planted his church was this. God spoke a word to him. He got on an airplane, him and his wife. He left his four children at home. Or I think he has four children. And he went to scout the land. So he goes in to Atlanta, flies into the airport, gets out of the plane, buys a map, drives around the city, and that's how he planted his church from Europe. Not, didn't know a single soul, didn't know anybody. He said, this, he said, this is what happened. He said, shortly, he said he knew God told him that. Shortly after that, he had a dream. And he had, you remember that? He had a dream and he was getting in a cab and driving back to the airport. He said, I was ready to quit. I was ready to kill all the people in the church. They was ready to kill me. And we just wasn't getting along. And I'm telling you, all heck was breaking loose everywhere. And he said, I just felt like I had gone the wrong way. And so he has a dream, and he's driving to the airport, and he said, he, he talks to the cab driver, and the cab driver turns around, he said it was the devil driving him back to the airport. Like, you want to you go home? No problem. I got you a ride. And he said, I said, no, turn this car around. He said, that's how I knew I was going the right way. I'm telling you, when you see your enemy, that's not the, the sign you're going the wrong way. That's the sign you're going the right way. He wants you to quit and bow out and, and lose control. He wants you to give up. But I'm telling you, if you don't have, listen, this is so important. If you don't learn how to unleash grace into your mind, to change your mind, you are going to quickly go back to what God pulled you from. You'll let, the, you'll let the emotions die down a little bit, and then you're going to go right back to the same mode of operation. How many of y'all want to go into the land and stay there? See, God don't want to bring you into the land for a visit. God wants to bring you to inhabit the land and start building from there. But I guarantee you, as you go along the journey, there's going to be personal problems. There's going to be family problems. There's going to be financial problems. There's going to be a challenge after challenge after challenge. If you're going the right way, he is going to challenge it. Amen? So we cannot live in a land of abundance until we possess the kingdom mindset. Where we are blessed by the relationship we have with God, not our employee mindset. So like, even when things are not looking the right way... We still know we are going the right way. How many of y'all, this is, you know, I'm telling you how common this is. How many of y'all have ever started going somewhere and go, oh, like as soon as you see something, you're like, oh, maybe that ain't it. How many of y'all have ever seen, had that happen? I have. I, have, I mean, as soon as I started driving down the road, 
I mean, look, look, here's what's funny. I left Greenville, South Carolina, and it was cold. I got halfway between Greenville and Atlanta, and it was sunny. I got to Atlanta, it was snowing. I'm not kidding. We moved our stuff in to our first place in the snow. And I was like, babe, I mean, can we just have a sunny day? You know, we, we celebrate. Oh, we moved to Atlanta. We're going to start this church. It's going to be so awesome. Can you believe it? Oh, God is really doing a good thing. And then we get going down the road, and it's like, all oh, these things happen. The car breaks down. Money going crazy. Somebody stole our money out of our house. I had one of my family members try to steal some money from me, and I was like, hold on. I mean, you know people that you don't normally have in your house, and you never think it would have happened? I called them, too. Grace protected me. Hey, let me tell you something. We took our whole life savings and put it into this journey. And look, we didn't have no extra funds, okay? Look, the money that that little person was trying to take, I called them doing it. Because they'd have took that, we'd have been in trouble. Grace kept me. Grace defended me. God will not allow, listen, God will not allow your enemies to overtake you, but you got to face them. you got to face them. you got to have courage. I'm loading you up with some stuff this morning. I hope you're grabbing it. Let's go to, I've given y'all a lot of scriptures this morning. I just realized that. Y'all okay with that? All right, so I'm walking you through their journey of grace. Deuteronomy 6. This is a very different kind of message today. I don't know what's going on. Very different. Deuteronomy 6. This is verse 10, 11, and 12. I'm going to end right here. So, we need to learn to, to respond to our adversity differently because God is going to bless you. God is going to take you into this new land. You have to learn to respond to your enemies differently. You know what you have to learn to do? You have to learn to believe God's grace. You have to learn to believe that God is going to see you through. You have to learn to believe that God is going to untangle the webs. You have to stop stressing and staying up all night and trying to figure it out. You need to just stop that for a second and just believe. If God said you're going in, you're going in. I don't care what wind, wind, waves come. I don't care what happens. If God says you're going in, you're going in. But here's, here's what was the danger for them. Watch this. Listen, this is uh, Deuteronomy 6. It says this. So they are all getting ready to go in. And he says this. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land. So when God blesses you, and he's going to do that. He's going to do it by grace. Of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a large number Look at this, look at this, look at this. For, y- for, for anybody who might be watching this tape or listening to this, for those of you who don't think God wants something good for you, look, this is, this is way back then. To give you large and beautiful cities. Y'all want houses. God said large, beautiful cities. Y'all trying to get one house. Cities. Do you think God will give us this city? I think God will give us this city. Look. When he does it, beautiful cities, which you did not build, not from your labor, not from your sweat, not from your skills. He's going to give it to you anyway. Next verse. This part makes you happy. Listen, houses, listen, for people that don't think you need more than one house, houses is more than one. I wasn't an English major, but houses is more than one house. He's trying to give you houses. Can y'all get, can y'all get in this mindset with me? By grace, houses. Some of y'all just you can't even imagine that. You can, I'm barely getting one. No. Houses. God's not going, he might start with one, but it's going to be houses when he's done. And listen, he said, full of good things. Not just an empty house. Not just barely get you in there. Fully furnished. Full of good things. This is God's plan. Look. Which you did not feel. Somebody else's money, somebody else's labor, somebody else's time, somebody else's sweat, and he's going to put you into that because of grace. But see, your mind doesn't think God's going to do this just for no reason, just because he loves me, just because he loves you. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to do a special trick, dance. I'm telling you, when you come to church, it's to wash your mind with grace. Because the world's trying to turn all of you into employees. And look, you're not going to have houses. You know who's going to have houses? Your employers. And you're going to be working as an employee. That's the Egypt mindset God's trying to take you into. He don't want to give you houses if you got an employee mindset. He wants to give you houses when you are le- learning to live by grace. This is good. Hewn out of wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Look at the emphasis on what you did not do, but what God is going to do for you. Look, I love the emphasis right here. You did not do this. But you cannot have it unless you can think you can have it. You can't have it until in your mind you have it. 
Because you know what you're going to do? You're going to get in there and you're going to actually pull yourself back into bondage just like you were before. If the children of Israel had to enter the promised land with a slave mentality, they would have quickly started making each other slaves. So they would have recreated that environment because that's how they operate. God is training you how to operate with grace. I feel something coming. Listen, you got to allow God to take your moments of trial and train you how to use grace. I started studying really like bearing down on grace probably five, four or five years ago. And I was amazed at how the Bible changes from the old covenant to the new. And it goes from if you do, if you do, if you do and you'll be blessed to Jesus saying, I will, 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 not you will, I will bless you. I will forgive your iniquities. I will remember your sins no more. I will bless you. I will have mercy on you. Just because I'm good, now the penalty is paid. This is real good stuff. I'm preaching good. All right. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Now watch this. Here's the danger. When you have eaten and are full. Listen. When you get in that house, in that car, houses, and those things are going well. When you get all that and you are so full. Watch the next verse. Beware. Say say Beware. Look at somebody say, it's coming. Just beware. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. It's real easy to get into that next place and start forgetting how you even got there in the first place. See, it's real easy to walk into this new thing and forget that it was God that delivered you. Because the moment you forget it was God, you start trying to maintain it. You start trying to put the fires out yourself. You start trying to protect it and keep over it. Listen, if God gave you the child or gave you the promise, he will protect it. If God gave you the stuff, he will watch over it. If God gave you the blessing, he will maintain it for you. Listen, this is how people lose it. I didn't earn the lottery money, but I got rich just because I got lucky. Listen, that's why, because when you get to that next level, it's up to you to maintain it. But if God says, here, I'll make you rich because of your relationship with me. And even if you mess it up, there's more from where that came from. And even if you drop the ball, there's more from where that came from. Can you receive a blessing like that? You got to stop pretending like you got something to do with it and let your praise go to another level. Because you know what? I don't deserve it. I ain't got nothing to do with it, but it's mine. It's mine. Woo. Chris, can you help me, sir? Listen, I am preaching. This is really, really important because every person in here wants to go to another level, wants to experience abundant life. You know what God is waiting on? He's waiting on you to take the moment you're in and unleash grace. He's waiting on you to, listen, give up. Stop it. Give up. Let it go. Just stop worrying about it. And do something about it. Look, you can stop worrying about it and still do something about it. You know what you can do about it? Unleash grace. There's a real supernatural power that works from heaven into this earth and it's called grace.